Amen. Well, I have time here for the Word of God? All right, let's take a moment and pray. Father, I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask you speak through me. Give to your people in this moment what they need to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. I'm going to put you on the fast track here, and we're going to try with our PowerPoint. That, that, do y'all notice we don't have a, a hum in the sense in the speakers? Spent four hours on Friday, and we figured out we fixed the sound system. <laughs> Rhonda got me a T-shirt. If Mike can't fix it, we're all screwed. You know, I haven't worn it yet, <laughs> but it's one of these days. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know. I like fixing things and figuring out. It was actually pilot error. Someone as a technician switched the ground and put it into the positive, and mm, anyhow, feedback. <laughs> but I figured that out with the text, with the text. Amen. So praise the Lord. Caitlin was involved in that. We just so appreciate her and, and, and all of those, uh, uh, Mariah and Jack and all those back in the sound. Incidentally, you know, we do need a little help here with that, okay? And so there's gifts that are in here. That, uh, thank you for those three amens. <laughs> There's gifts, and you say, well, I don't have the gift because I don't know, but I want to learn. How many of you know that, that that's great, too? Yeah. Even on the worship team, too. Yeah, yes, you have to know how to sing, and you have to, but some of you play instruments, and we'd love to, to know about that. Amen? Yeah. It got awfully quiet in this church. Praise God. Second week, talking about spirit, soul, power, and, and I subtitled this, More Than Me, More Than Me, and we're just going to see uh, quickly a, a recap here. One of the foundation verses uh, that we had, <clears throat> now let's see if this works. Yes, we talked about, wow, that's great, it works. Parable of the soul, and I'm going to get into this. I will, Lord willing, get into this, because there's a lot in there we want to talk about as we talk about the spirit in the soul, and, uh, but, but, but there's some, there's, I want to set the stage here this morning about how soul transformation really, really the, the soil for it to change. There's got to be something aligned properly in our life first to have effective change in our life. And I started last week, have you ever wondered why it seems that we hear the Word of God week in and week out, and we hear it preached, and we shout amen, oh yes, and we go, that was great. We take notes, and we leave, and we still are unchanged. That shouldn't be. Now listen, I have no condemnation of those that feel like a turtle. How many know what I mean by turtle? You hear something, it takes a while. You really, it's slow. And, and then there are those that are like jackrabbits. They grab a hold of something, they run with it. And, and they're pretty passionate about that. And a lot of times I'm like the turtle. Just take it slow. But you know what? Let's just absorb that and take that in. I'm with me, say amen. But, but the, we hear the preaching and teaching. It seems like nothing changes. And, and the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Ephesians 5.26 says, it is through the washing of the water of the Word. Somebody shout the Word. So the, the Word of God is the only thing that really can transform our souls. It's the Word of God that washes us. So even now, you've come to church, and I pray that you're dialed in here and you're paying attention, but that Word has power to transform your soulish realm. And so, once again, to take too much time, we mentioned last week that our spirit, have the right one up here, our spirit, when we come to Christ, it is unregenerated, it is, it is, it is dead. 
It is an enemy to God because of the fall in the garden. But for those who are believers, how many believers are having here this morning? Your spirit, because you repented. It isn't just because you were born into this life, then all of a sudden you, you grew up and the big man upstairs and you just kind of mental ascent. Well, God's up there. So, you know, because there's some teaching that it's out there because Jesus died on the cross. So that means everybody's saved. No. No, you need to repent and you need to invite God into your life. Amen? Some of us believers, we know that, but a lot of times, we, you know, a lot of people, they just, they, religious people, they don't recognize that you need to be converted. And so what happens, God takes part of his spirit, puts it in your spirit, and your spirit, man or woman, comes alive. Comes alive. I've heard people talking, it's like, I've heard you, heard you preach, and they finally are set free. They're born again, and they go, I, I, I have excitement to read the word of God. I, I want to grow myself. I, I, I just, I mean, I love to worship. There, something's going on in my life. Why? Your spirit is alive. It was dead, now it's alive. It's the soul <laughs> and so, how many know that God just doesn't save us and kill us, right? You're born again, all right, I'm going to kill you and take you home. No, there's a transformation in our soul. And this is, this is no small thing, having our soul transformed. And we're going to talk about that, that yes, our spirit is saved, but there are things in our soulish realm that, that uh, we have to reckon dead daily, as even Paul said. And so, we're going we're gonna to talk about that here but here's kind of a, a big idea uh, statement, and I'm just going to throw this out. And you may seem like I'm diverting, but I want to get to one point here today. A spiritual person. Somebody shout a spiritual person. Does anybody want to be a spiritual person in here? I want to be a spiritual person. Not, well, you are a spiritual person. You're a pastor. Ah, no. A spiritual person is what? Is one man or woman, young person, child, teenager, who lives according to, watch this, is led by their born-again spirit instead of their body or their soul. That's a spiritual person. So you kind of wonder, like, you know, there are people that can rattle off. I was in Bible school. There's people that would just rattle off verses, rattle off verses. Oh, they have a tremendous mind. I didn't have the capacity. I had to write them down in a cue card. And I, you know, how many hear what I'm saying? It was just hard for me to memorize it. And then there's people, I, I can't even fathom this, that could quote, books and chapters, and there's even people, they say they can quote the whole New Testament by memory or the Old Testament. I, 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 I don't have that mind. It's a little bit more, you know, dumbed down a little bit, but, but, but a spiritual person is one who is led by the Spirit, not the soul or their body. How many with me say amen? So last week we ended with <clears throat> that God has... Uh, times of refreshing. I know that's a lot, lot of verses there, but it's in Acts 3.19, and that, that the Lord has that for us. I believe that for you, even now in this season, not months and years ahead. I believe even today, there's a refreshing God has for you. If you receive it, if you receive it by faith, can you say amen? But the Bible talks about repenting and turning back. I think there's a key to this refreshing, and it has to do with repentance. Mm. Amen. <clears throat> this teaching out there that says, you know what? <clears throat> Christians, they don't need to repent. repent. They just need to get under that waterfall of grace. And no matter what you do in your life, how you orchestrate your life, we don't need to repent for the Lord. We're just constantly washed. Well, I understand the, the new creation truth in that. But the truth of the matter is when you mess up and you feel convicted, you need to repent. I will always say that to the day I die. 
I won't get a new revelation and think we don't have to because I believe that. I believe that in the scripture, I believe, talks about that. And he talks about restoration. Somebody shout restoration. God is coming. He's restoring things. He's restoring things in the kingdom and the purpose of God. So times of refreshing may come and when we repent. And as I said, that I really believe the Lord has that for, for you and I. And more of that as the weeks and months and the years to come here, even in this place, even your children's children, if you're to live that long, amen? Your grandchildren, God has times of refreshing for them. So we said that soul transformation comes through the word of God and his, his rhema, his, his spoken word of God and the logos, the written word of God. And the foundation for change is this, and this is a big point right here. It's this, God must be first in our lives. I'm gonna say that again. For true transformation to occur in our life, even, I'm talking to Christians now, God must be first in our life. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Mike? Not just, you know, on Sunday morning, Monday through Saturday. Come on, somebody. God must be first in our life. What does that look like? You know what? We just, we just need to absorb that. A couple of verses right here. Uh, Matthew 22, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Somebody shout heart. With all your soul. So our soul is involved in that. With all our mind, will, and emotions. And this is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus is speaking. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Pretty powerful, pretty clear right there. Another verse, Matthew 10, 37. Anyone, watch this, to get a little deep right now. Anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy in me. Now, if you didn't have a great relationship with your parents, you can go, yeah, amen. But those who really love their parents, come on now, and they, do, they go and parents call them every day, and they're over at the house, and mom's always sending a casserole. Come on, somebody. I never had that, but <laughs> love their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, then he even goes deeper. This is going to be maybe painful for some of you. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Okay, okay. What do you mean by that? <clears throat> what in the world do you mean by that more than me? So we see in these verses, Jesus is saying, watch this, if I can't be your first love, then you really truly can't follow me. That sounds so harsh. What are you saying, Lord? And it really, it all starts with loving God more than anything. And I'm going to touch on that in a bit. Now, how many know that we all have things that come against us that try to keep us from our destiny? And, but God declares that his plans for you are good. Somebody shout good. No matter what you think, his plans really are good. Jeremiah 29, 11, amazing verse. But this verse was spoken when the children of Israel we're just condemned to 70 years going into the Babylonian captivity. So get the context of this. So when we pull this out, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans of peace. They're actually going in and chains going to Babylon for 70 years. Interesting. Why? I don't understand. What are you saying, Lord? Plans for peace and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And he actually provided and Israel flourished there in captivity. And they grew. And they grew. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. This verse, I can't really comprehend this. Maybe some of you in here could. The Bible talks about what God has planned for you and I. Now think about this. No matter how hard it is life, and life is hard, but God is good, and we can overcome, 
And we don't have to live through life depressed, angry. Come on, somebody. We don't have to live through life that's miserable, you know, waiting for that day to come, the by and by, and the sweet by and by when we're gone, and heaven's great. But this is what God has planned, those who remain faithful and live for him. And I has not seen. There's almost 8 billion people on this planet. Think of from the beginning of time. No eye has seen. And the ear has not heard, which, which have not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, how many of you have the, the love language of gift giving? Four people honest in here. You're lying to Jesus. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you like gifts. And so what happened is people that have the love language of gift giving, and what do they do? They wrap gifts and they give you gifts. And they hope you go, oh, thank you. I'll do that for you. And they don't do that. <laughs> right? Because you know, mine was meaningful touch or mine was, you know, quality time. I just want to walk and talk with you. <laughs> okay? So, so my point is, is that, that God is the greatest gift giver. Did you hear that? He is the greatest gift giver you could ever imagine. Okay? So, so I'm going to be real carnal right here in this moment. So you like fishing. God is the greatest gift giver. He'll give you the best bass boat. He'll give you the bit top of the line. That's the God we serve. Now, I'm not saying you may get that here in this life. You may, may not. But what he's saying, what God has prepared for those who love him now is unbelievable. It is insane. Don't drool over Hollywood, idiotic houses, mansions, jet skis, or whatever they may have. You think they got it all? God has so much for you that is unbelievable. It's, it, it, you can't comprehend it. And that's what he's saying. He said, you cannot comprehend what he has for you. You. Not for, you know, well, that person did a lot and this. What he has for you the moment you step into eternity. But now we know God has blessings and things like that for here on earth. But I'm trying to get a perspective here this morning for us all that we have an alignment alignment. And God talks about he has unveiled them, revealing them through the Holy Spirit. And so we see God's plans for you and I are good. Can you say amen? Well, Pastor Mike, doesn't seem like it. There's a lot of disappointment everywhere. Well, we know, just do a little, a, a little back uh, teaching right here about uh, the consequences of sin has entered. And once again, when sin entered into the fall of man, it was not a small thing. It was a very serious thing. It was a huge consequences. How Satan got a foothold in humanity, God's prized possession, his, uh, his creation. Satan came in and took that. God said, I have a plan. I'm going to take that. But we see that in Genesis 2 and 3, that before the fall in the Garden of Eden, that we know that Adam and Eve, they walked in their spirits. They weren't corrupted. Their spirits were in direct communion with God, and, and they walked in. That's the God we serve. The God we serve is not a distant God. The God we serve is not one that just wants to go out and do other things in other universes. He cares about you tomorrow morning, Wednesday night. Can I get an amen? Friday night. You know, God cares about you, wants to be a part of your life. Not when, when you're frustrated and angry. He's not like, oh, I'm sick of them. They're just, yeah. he's there with you. Cares, cares. That's the God we serve. Can you say amen? They walked and they talked. They had unbroken fellowship. Something happened. There's the sin that has entered in and, and the fall happens. Spiritual death immediately, immediately set in. But we didn't see the results of it. We didn't, they, when you say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Physical death had to catch up, but spiritual death 
happen. And I thought there's something interesting here. You know, the death rates, if you read in the Bible, they can continue to drop uh, after the flood. But with even Adam and Eve in that, we see that time period there that we had the oldest person that lived in the Bible that's recorded was Methuselah, 969 years. Then after that, we have Noah, 950. Uh, and then we see Adam, he lived for 930 years. And then we see, as you, you, know, as you read through the scriptures in the Torah, 700 years, 600 years, 500 years. Then we see Enoch, he walked with God and he was not. 365, I mean, this is either baloney, this is all lies, this is fairy tales, or they actually lived that long. You know, there was a couple scientists that said that if we could, they could filter out the harmful rays of radiation and kind of like a giant terrarium and cover the city of Dallas and, and, and you know, filter the air, whatever, that they say you could live a thousand years. Interesting. Thought it was interesting. We see Abraham, 175 years, and it drops, it drops, and we know the, the global life expectancy for women is 75 years, and for men it's 70, but in America it's women, it's 81 years, and about 77 years. And so we see spiritual death having its effect in the life of humanity. So this is a serious thing, this spiritual death, separation from God. So one of the questions I had is like, okay, Adam, why did you do this? So they were both perfect, Adam and Eve. So in other words, Jesus was the pastor. There's no sin in Adam and Eve's sin. Ever thought about that? <laughs> wow. What happened, Jesus? Didn't you have a really strong message there, God? Or what was the deal? Spiritual death come in. We know it is the enemy. But here's the thing, and, 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 and before, ladies, before you tighten up, just hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to even this out here. The Bible says Adam was not deceived, it was Eve. That's, that's not a slam on woman or an attack. But the Scripture says in, in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.14, he says, Adam was not the one deceived, but it was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Eve was led astray and fell into sin. I just want you, here's the thing. Eve was the first soul on the planet that was a sinner. Her spirit became corrupt before Adam was. Just think about that. Now, I'm driving a point home here, and just hang on. Just hang on before you pick up stones. Eve was the first soul on earth that lost. She was corrupted by sin. So in other words, that's the first time they're unequally yoked. I don't know how long that was. I don't think it was that long if you read some commentaries. So I think, Adam, why? Why would you do this? I'm not certain. I wasn't there. But I think there's some inferences we can see what happened is this. Now, now just bear with me. I'm going to even this out. Adam listened to his wife in this instance when God had already given clear instructions not to touch the tree. She she, right? I mean, he listened to his wife in this instance, in this instance. Now, here's the issue. Adam loved Eve more than he loved his creator God. This is the point I'm trying to get about loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you want soul transformation, you've got to be aligned properly. Are you with me here this morning? Yes. You know, he, he loved the creation more than the creator. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper here this morning. <clears throat> Listen to me. We are to love husbands, love our wives. Amen, man. That was a good time if you say amen. Yes. And, and listen, young men, love your moms. Daughters, love your moms, all right? Uh, the children, I mean, my wife has saved me numerous blunders and continues to talk me off cliff at times where I'm ready to fall off. She has tremendous insight. She has brilliant wisdom, my wife. I listen to my wife. 
I listen to my wife. But if it comes down to what God is actually saying and speaking, I need to listen to the Lord in that situation. That's not a divisive thing because God's not going to tell one person one thing and the other person something totally different. It's going to harmonize, right? Oh, God's told me to leave my husband and my wife. Well, what about your spouse? What did they say? They don't want you to go. No, no, no. Something's wrong there. Amen. I mean, if it's a healthy situation. Hear me. So, so we see that I believe, in, I can deduct this as Adam loved Eve more than he loved his creator. What is the point? The point is God must be first in our life, church. Honey, I love you, but God must be first in my life. You may not have them all forever. God must be first in my life. We need to put him first. Kids, I love you, kids. I'm thankful. That God, look how beautiful these kids, I'm so excited, and then someday you're going to grow up, and you're going to have your own families, and I'll be a grandparent, and someday they'll move home. I don't know. You know you, you, what, you, but kids, I love you, but you are not first place in my life. It, it, yeah, thank you for those few amens. God is first place in my life, not the children. My world does not evolve around my children. Amen, I'm going to still push. God must be first place in our life. That does not diminish your love for your children. All right? It's not diminished that. But you know what? Here's the thing. Your kids, when they look and see you worshiping, praising God, there's something strong that happens inside your kids. And they go, they love God. God's real. Not everything evolves around me. The children. Please hear me. Breathe in, breathe out. God must be first in our life. I put this down and I thought about it. I said, you know what? When your priorities and affections are out of order, your life is out of order. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? Out of order, out of order. I began to think about it. This morning, even I think about misalignment. And I think about timing, a little bit of automotive stuff here. Just thought I'd throw that out. You know, if you ever had a motorcycle or dirt bike or whatever, and some of the older ones, they had a timing chain on them. And a lot of the cars, even today, they have timing, timing chains, and uh, depending on types of engines, if the timing chain snaps at the belt and you have an interference engine, you just hatch that engine. <clears throat> Some of you men know what I'm talking about, but there was a motorcycle back uh, when I worked for my father-in-law. They had it, and it was a little Honda. It was back in 1994, 93. Um, <clears throat> uh, a, a little Honda uh, engine, and that, that, that motorcycle uh, had, uh, it wouldn't run. And so some of the kids that were there in the neighborhood, they were trying to get it start. And what they would do is they would, now watch this, they would have it gas on, have the choke on it, and they would push, and they would run and run and run. And they're struggling, they're exhaustion to the point of where they couldn't anymore. And then all of a sudden, it would go, how many know them? You know, and then they would try to jump on it, and backfire. And I'm like, what's the matter with that? And so I asked my father-in-law, and I said, uh, can, I, can I have that? He goes, that piece of junk? Nobody. I said, I just want to take it apart, see if I can fix it. <laughs> Took the whole thing apart, disassembled the whole thing, to every single part of the motorcycle, put it back together. But I noticed one tooth on the timing chain was off, one tooth. And so I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Put it back where it's supposed to be, exactly lined up. Got that thing ready, full of gas, kind of wondering, because they would, they would kickstart it, kickstart to the point where it hit your shin. Come on, somebody, remember that? Ah! You know, kickstart it, kickstart it. The first kick, 
Vroom, it purred like a kitten. I'm like, that's the way a Honda should run. And I drove that thing the whole summer to work. My father-in-law was like, how did you get that thing? The timing was off. In other words, the priority, the effect, it was, there was something that was out of order on the bike, and it was exhaustion to get it going. Did you get that? And some of you, you're off just one tooth, one sprocket tooth. It's just, it's just an alignment issue. Well, you know, I my kids, you know, this, you know, they got baseball coming up. They got this, got that. Nothing, nothing to matter about all that stuff. Now, well, you know, then the fall's coming up. They got cross country now, you know, they got to swim. Wait, we did all of that. My son went to state. I mean, it just for swim and track, cross country. And we, we did all of that. But you've got to be aligned properly as a parent. And you have to love God first more than your children. Somebody say amen, oh me. All right? And Jesus said in Matthew 10, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I've shared this testimony before, and maybe I'll find a picture one of these days, but I was borderline idolatry when my son was born. And about, uh, you heard the story about when he was about 16 or 17 months, he fell out of the crib, he climbed out, you know, experimenting, probably trying to figure out something, and he fractured his, his wrist, and Rhonda said, you know, it's like he, something's going on with his arm, he couldn't move it, he was playing, brought him to the hospital, sure enough, they had to set it, he cried, and it was hard, and, but I was just really like, why, God, why, you know, my son, and you know what, thought, and he fell out of the crib, and the Lord said, listen, your priority is out of whack. You are trying to, watch this, parent him out of your wound from your dad. Day loves you. Day loves you. We have babysitters that remember that. Because every time I had my kid, the babysitter would come, Day loves you. Day loves you. Well, I do, you know? <laughs> you know? I do love you, but, but you are God's. See, right now, he's married. He has little baby Jane. <laughs> and they live in Boise. Lord willing, someday they'll come out here. But my point is this, is that, He's got his own life, and I have to release him. It's priorities. You're raising your kids not for you. You're raising them for God. Oh, I think we get a saturation point. Stand with me if you would, please. I'm going to end with this. Anyone who loves their father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. A worship team, come forward. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me. Someone say this. Say, more than me. Wow. That's the stickler right there. That's the key. That is the one tooth off of timing right there for many of us. You want soul transformation? You want your, 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 your life seems like it's out of order? Seems like your soul tells your body what to do and your spirit, man, and occasionally, you know, you drag yourself into church. And it's out of order. Something's jumped. You can't, and so you push, and you push, and you push, and you push, and you get a few sputters here and there, and you get a little kick little ignition, a little, and then you die back out. Got to reset that timing. Every head bowed here this morning. How do we reset the timing? Number one is repent. That's what I had to do. I nailed by the side of my son's bed while he was sleeping. But that cast on. Repent. Repent. Say, Lord, I got my priorities out of line. And so what I did, and for some of you it may not be a big deal, but for me, because it was borderline idolatry, trying to parent out of my wound. I laid my hands on my son while he was sleeping. I said, Lord, just take him. He's yours. That was not an easy thing to do, let me tell you. But I just said, Lord, I want to parent properly. 
And I, I, I do love you, God, but he is, you gave him to me. He is your son. Someday, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave. And if I'm out of order, then I'm out of time and my priorities are whack. And then there's a whole slew of issues when the kids leave home. So whatever you head bowed here this morning, he said, Pastor Mike, I, you, you, you may, number one, not know the Lord and you don't have the assurance of salvation. I want to pray a quick prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer that you pray and what you do, it's not a rabbit's foot, but what you're doing is you're committing your life. You're asking God to take your spirit man or your spirit woman. Actually, I feel strong that there's, there's a woman in here. There's a woman in here that your spirit is not alive. It's dead. You believe in God. You don't hate God. But you just, there's, it's not alive. So if every head bowed, you say, you know what? That's me, Pastor. And there may be others, but just really feel strong. What do I need to do, Pastor? The Bible says repent and believe the good news. I'm going to lead you through a prayer, a prayer of repentance. It's a very powerful prayer, a very simple prayer, a very costly prayer. It's what Jesus purchased at the cross. But we have a decision to accept Christ in our life or not. It's not mental assent. It's you inviting God Almighty into your spirit man or spirit woman. That's you here this morning. Pray this with me if you would. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Give me your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence. I make a decision today to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.